Welcome, everybody, to the Gate Expectations podcast, where I bring in a weekly guest to talk all things Yu-Gi-Oh! and get to know a little more about each person I talk to. This is the only Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast that is run by a full-fledged journalist such as myself. This is episode 18. If you haven't checked it out yet, you can check out earlier podcasts with guests like Stephen Trifonoski, Jesse Cotton, Team Samurai X1, Doug Zeef, Farfa, and many more. My guest for this week has a YouTube channel with over 63,000 subscribers, over 2,000 Twitch followers, and one of the more popular figures on the West Coast in North America, it's Thomas Chung, a.k.a. Tombox. Tom, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. No, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. I know you're... Uh, uh, quite busy because you you told me when we scheduled this way back like last month that you know again you have a full time job you yep. run this channel a whole lot uh, you recently just got married if I recall correctly that is and, correct yeah so you've been congratulations on that by well, the thank way you. and uh, I know you've been really busy you know having a graduating from university having a full time job so it's it's a tough thing to balance which I know is what uh, one of the big themes of your channel is is just being able to balance out your uh, your hobby of Yu-Gi-Oh with your full out lifestyle that you have right now. So yeah. could you tell me a little bit more about uh, your channel and then how like balance relates to that? So, well, I kind of want to jump back into how everything kind of got started. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's easier to explain it that way. Yeah. So sure, go ahead. MST TV started actually before MST TV, there was like a precursor to the channel because I, it was, I was more or less a fresh grad at the time. And this is how the whole balance thing kind of comes in later on. Like I was working for a game company at the time. Um, luckily enough, the games industry, you just it's easiest to get in when you have you know somebody that can actually recommend you to kind of put you to the top of the, you know, the pile of resumes that they get. So it kind of all started with that. I started working, but wasn't really getting too much like I wasn't really getting to expand on any kind of growth. So eventually I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start, start doing videos. I know how to do videos. I've seen like at the time there was Asian eyes. There was, I think SEMO uh, kind of just started team Zimmer X one wasn't as big as he was today. Team APS was also kind of small. There was just a bunch of, you know, there's, there's a lot of other YouTubers out there that eventually a lot of them made, made names for themselves, of course. And Ooh. I'm like, you know what? I can, I can try it my hand at this. I know how to video edit and, and stuff like that, you know, kind of just was part of my university curriculum. Ooh. And uh, yeah, I kind of start from there. I'm like, I need something to use as a resume booster and seeing that, you know, like YouTube is also growing like crazy. When people had like a million subscribers, it was like one of the biggest things ever. Now there's Ooh. like, thousands upon thousands of people with like millions of subscribers so it was kind of the early age of earlier age of youtube i would say that's kind of when when i got to get started so i started as a resume booster eventually i got laid off uh from my work project, project cancellation is pretty common in uh in, in the games industry so i focused a little bit more on this stuff but i also kind of took a side job on on, on the other hand i still i did weekly videos at the time like i i was a judge at the time i wasn't like a, a really like there was no events for me. So I was like, I like to talk about the rules. I would like to talk about mechanics. So I'm like, you know what? No one's doing this. I'm going to jump on it. So, and the first topic was like vanity's emptiness when everyone was confused how it works and no one really talked about it. No one really kind of went into the details. So I went to the details of it. That's how everything kind of got started. And it was like, I banded together with, uh, I guess, Nishi, which he's back again. Uh, he's been back for like a year now and Oscar, which was my competitive side. So I tried to get like all sides of the angles, uh, just so that that's kind of how we got started. 
Now, I know that you actually have like the, the a series of people working on uh, MST.TV on, on YouTube. It's, it's not just you that's doing it. Like you said, you got Nishi, you got Wei, you got Tristy, and Kyrie is your producer. Uh, so how did this all, all start from just you into like a, a full collaboration of several people like going into MST.TV? MST so it started with the initial three, which is Nishi, Oscar, and myself. Um, mm-hmm. we, we had to talk about it. Like there was a lot to talk about, like, oh, well, are we actually going to do this for fun? You know, there, there's going to be the, the group talk eventually. If you do it as a group, there's going to be the group talk, like mm-hmm. who's doing what, who's in charge of things. Cause you know, you need someone with a direction. And since I, I was mainly the, I did like the first couple episodes and I did editing. Like there were some like infighting at, at the beginning and like nothing is as smooth as it sounds. I'm really surprised mm-hmm. on the team APS side because he's got a, big group and working Mm -hmm. all that stuff out is part of the challenge when you do like a group thing Mm -hmm. and so it started with me i was the main editor because i i knew how to edit videos and uh oscar mainly just liked to play like he was the key player i would say he was the one that was competitive he was the one that could top nationals at the time and nishi was our vendor so we kind of got like every part of it down mm-hmm. so we would have all the inf- information that we, we would need to actually provide people with decent information and you know to some degree we were a lot of us were like if we share this information doesn't that put us at like a disadvantage when we want to play i mean us being in the competitive setting you don't want to share everything right away it just it just makes mm-hmm. your road much harder but then mm-hmm. i'm like the game evolves so fast anyway people are going to eventually know and if we don't do it someone else will and that's kind of how the balance came in. And then as for my fiance Care, who came in, uh, my I guess my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife, uh, she mm-hmm. kind of came in later on in the picture because um, she was, we were actually, at, I met her, we kind of had a long distance thing for a while, and then she came back. And then, I don't know, I don't know, one of the rare occasions where long distance actually worked out. <laughs> well, I, we were in person together, then we were forced to go long distance, and then we came back together. And it was, uh, I guess, a happy ending <laughs> to that. Um mm-hmm. She came in. I'm like, I'm always working on these videos. I asked if she could help out, like, provide me with like resources. Like, she's not totally like into the game. I guess she was really into the game during like the Klee format, the Klee Necroz format. That was when she was like really big into the game. And then mm-hmm. when Klee's got you know, nerfed to the ground, uh, Pei doesn't feel great anymore. Uh, that's when she kind of like just stepped aside and just dealt with like tournament management and and like deals with all the back end stuff. As for why, why I've known him for a very long time. Um, I've known him when I was in, I guess I'm not when I was in high school, actually. And he just he just goes in on product. He has a library of cards. I would say he has more than some stores in terms of finding stuff. Like when I was doing through his bulk, you would find some of the most unnecessary ghost rares unsleeved in his bulk. I'm talking like ghost rare, ghost rare black roses, ghost rare stardust in his bulk. That's how much bulk he has that we can't go through. And that's enough to make like a lot of people cringe out there, considering like the value of ghost rares these days. And these are like first ed ones. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> so he's like kind of the guy I would go to to kind of collect some cards and like, dude, I need to, I need this for a video. And he'd be like, he's always up for the challenge. And like at one point, he was, um, uh, I was living at home, but we rented the the, the extra suite out. And why was one that rented it out, which gave me like a huge space to do videos. Because <laughs> he's like, yeah, just come on down, just do whatever you want. And then that, that, that was there was a moment there. I was like, really nice. So that's kind of how we kind of all got together. We just played. We're all in the same area. Don't know how we all ended up meeting each other, but that's it's just going to locals and 
knowing people that you know meeting good friends and people you can trust now there's not a lot of people that we know of that's uh, out on the west coast that really is for Yu-Gi-Oh, except for maybe simo i think but i think he's in california no he's in vegas oh, oh he's in vegas he's in okay vegas. so he's Fairly close, at least in Nevada, is, is close to the West Coast. Not quite there. As uh, where you're from, uh, Vancouver, and we don't hear a whole lot about uh, uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh end of it uh, out in that area because we know that there's like a lot of like nationals don't really go out in that area. I think Minneapolis was probably would have been the closest uh, for you to be able to go to, but that got canceled unfortunately this year. So, and it's not really well known for at least where I'm from, like like Ontario, Southern Ontario, to really know about what goes on in out in Vancouver on the West coast. So uh, do you think that was also a factor as well, that there wasn't a whole lot out there for you, for you to start up the, the YouTube channel that you have now? It was definitely harder. I think if I went a little bit, you know, down South, maybe to like Seattle, uh, it would have been a lot easier or even just going to like the Ontario, Toronto side, it would be a lot easier closer to New York. You got, you actually have a YCS on that side of the coast. The reason why the Vancouver side kind of went down is because uh, well, I don't want to like blame vendors, but you know they were the ones in control of you know with uh, what Konami got to work with, and the vendors didn't want to work with Konami, so they kind of ended up just losing our only valid regional. So I think back in two thousand and uh, two thousand thirteen, that's when we got our last regional because oh, the wow. store. Yeah, it's like seven years ago. That's when we got our last regional. I'm working really, really hard. Part of the reason why I'm working so hard as a judge is because I want to get like get the regional back in our area and hopefully if we can show that we can you know get good uh, good progress hopefully get ycs eventually that's my hope but you know i I, i've been i've been fortunate enough to actually get the judging gig going um to more than most people on this west coast for sure um and uh the reason why we don't have regionals because the store that actually was ots certified that had the judges had the credentials they didn't want it like they had a management change and they're like, we're not doing you. We're not touching you, you. Oh, and oof. that was a big slam on the community on this side. And that's when I'm like, you know what? We got to do something to change it. We got to pick this up. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I, I can judge. I've been like mainly a local judge for the most part. Didn't do any sort of tier three event at the time. Uh, but mm-hmm. then I think most of it changed after 2018. When I... Um, I went to like about three three nationals, like yeah, WCQs, and there I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take that the the RC two test, and I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna work on the judging thing a bit more just so that we can actually get more events. I'm really trying to like, you know, hold hold the pole up so that we don't all crumble down over here because it's mm-hmm. really hard when there isn't really a point of contact for Konami, you know. And I'm really trying to get that regional back in. We got to start with the OTS store tournaments, work our way up, and that's where we are here. <laughs> That's why we don't see very much <laughs> of the West Coast. But in terms of like West Coast players, most of us would have to travel down to Seattle or Portland to get any kind of like uh, sanction events. Mm-hmm. And how far would that be for for you to have to travel to go out to those events? Uh, for Seattle, it's about like two and a half to three hours by driving. It's not too bad for me because I'm so close yeah. to the border anyway. But like for mm-hmm. the people that are like on the other side of BC, they're like. For they take forever, like they would take like I don't know seven eight hours just to drive. Portland's much longer. Portland's like an additional another two hours more to go down, and like it's it gets kind of expensive once you have travel a cost to accommodate for it. And this is not even like traveling for like a YCS or anything. We're traveling just for a regional 
And we're, that's how committed the players are when they go down, which is why a lot of them do see a lot of results. Whenever they go down, they hit the top eight pretty frequently, um, mm-hmm. which is why I'm like, oh, they just, they come down, they take the spots. But when we did have regionals like pre-2013, people down from Portland, people down from Seattle, they would be the ones coming up to take some of the regional spots as well. So mm-hmm. it's like the people on the West Coast, whether you're from Canada or the U.S., they know each other. I figure that's a, that's a big privilege we uh, I, that I have here, at least anyway, living in Ontario, is that I have uh, several regionals around me that, that I can go to. Like, I have Toronto, I have Ottawa, for example, and then if I really want to, I can go down at Niagara Falls for it. As opposed to you, I don't really know like uh, what locations you could really go to at that point for uh, Vancouver. Like, even uh, Halifax and Manitoba, like, they have their own, like, little regions yeah. as well, like, around, like, Winnipeg and Dartsmouth. And then I don't even know, like, we, what even goes on at the West Coast there. So I was really curious to know, like, how your, like, premier events, like, Tier 2, Tier 3 events would be uh, just living in Vancouver, even though that's one of, like, the, one of the most major cities that exist in Canada. But there is one... We did actually have a region recently in BC. However, it was not accessible to most people. Oh. Yes. Uh, we had one that was held in... I think King George. King George is central BC, which is high, really high up north. Yeah. yeah. King George BC had a regional, except that the population there is like a small percentage of what we have down in the lower mainland. And they mm-hmm. had a regional. I hosted my own tournament on the same day. It didn't matter because people can't go up there. There was a problem with transportation. Uh, people mm-hmm. to go there, you either fly up there because uh, because it was held during the winter time and there's no way anyone's driving there like it's icy you're talking about like i guess in celsius like negative 30 they like the roads are all iced up no one can yeah. drive up there so i went to go i went to google and check like how long does it actually take to go up there so on good weather it takes about nine hours to drive up that's yeah. how far it is it's like it's like literally you're driving between like multiple states to get up there because canada we're you know where we are we're all like we've got huge provinces but most of it's empty yeah, yeah. Which, which is why we're like like population wise is why like u.s completely dominates its population because we have so many wide open spaces and like especially in the maritimes yeah and, uh, british columbia there's a lot of mountain and like open fields a couple of major cities and areas. that's it right and yeah. so going up there was like not possible. Like I, I debated whether I want to go up there, but according to Google, it was like, yeah, you know, uh, if you want to drive there up safely, it's going to take you 14 hours to drive up there. Oh god! And I'm like, that ain't happening. And then we checked the regional, um, like uh, how many people actually attended that regional. So there's a minimum whenever we're hosting like a regional, like uh, different areas have a different minimum. BC's minimum is still ridiculously high for what it is considering our population, but we need like your venue must host a minimum of 200 players. That yep. was the minimum. Whereas Alberta only needs 100 and a lot of the ones in between are like between 50 to 100. So BC on the other hand needs 200. And that makes it very difficult because well, I guess you're you're in Ontario. You understand, like Toronto and Vancouver, two of the most expensive places to live. Yes, and renting a space is going to cost a lot. It is not cheap, and yes. because of that, I'm like, you know what? I'm willing to like I was willing to you know just out of pocket the expense. I'm like, screw it. I'm willing to out of pocket this. We can get this in, and well, eventually, um, 
we found venues, we found places that are willing to host us. We thought we just had to work out all that stuff just to try to make a Yu-Gi-Oh scene here in BC. But so, until then, we hosted like our own little. I have I had like MSD private events like MOSs and whatnot, and uh, the open series that I hosted myself. I've I managed to hit ninety around eighty to ninety players per event, which was more it's which was bad. more than the regional that was held up there. Yeah, which is the regional really had 50. Like unheard of. And I was like, yeah. really? You guys only hit 50? And then I've hit like 90. I'm like, I'm sure I can hit the better number here. But it's just it's just what it is. Like I, I'm guessing that they don't know the, the geography of Canada. So when they pass them the regional rather than give it to our store, um, that's kind of what happened. Yeah, because it's really similar to how it is in uh, in Ontario right now. We used to have so many regionals in Toronto, and then lately it's been kind of spacing out, just like to the outskirts of Toronto, where it'd be a little bit more cheaper rather than uh, just downtown. And it's been going around like surrounding cities mm-hmm. as well around that. So I can understand like uh, the costs of like doing in Vancouver because it is really expensive there. It's kind of like how you don't, you barely see any events that happen in uh, the state of New York because it's also really expensive to do events like that. Yeah. So you know people would think oh you know vancouver's a major city like why don't they have regionals and that's like maybe an initial person's thought but they don't realize how expensive it is to really be there in vancouver and we have a living example like that in, in toronto so I, I i guess for you it's got to be really difficult to be able to try to build that kind of uh kind of rapport with all the Yu-Gi-Oh players to really like you know get konami to notice you and get like hey we got a meta up here and like we would like to have events around yeah here. so that's that has been like my side project like whether it be like mst tv related or not like this is this is thomas related i'm like i'm trying my hardest to actually push it out whether or not it relates to the channel i don't really care at that point i just want there to be a yugi scene in this area which is why you know i really like the fact that i get like a little bit of respect for that because i'm trying so hard to get it i've been trying for like the last three years or so uh especially because it was after when i got my rc2 which was when i got my first judging gig like my very first premiere event in niagara falls which was neat i was already a yugi tuber by, by that time and um konami was pretty impressed with i guess the professionalism and there's actually a lot to talk about in terms of judging like i haven't really talked about that i really want to talk about it at some point but like just um, from what I hear is just that not all judges are of the same caliber. There are some that are much better than others. And um, mm-hmm. they're always trying to look for the ones of the cream of the crop, the ones that are professional, the ones that can get the job done, the ones that aren't afraid to you know, be confrontational sometimes because you know, conflict do, does happen. You're the one, you're the authoritative figure. You're going to issue a ruling. Someone's not going to disagree with you. Therefore, you're always, you know, you're always in the middle of confrontation all the time. But you know, there's more to talk yeah, about. Yeah, there. you absolutely are, and you're going to be contested a lot. And I've been, I've been judging for, God knows, like 14 years, I believe now. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely had my fair share of like confrontations and people definitely disagreeing with me and whatnot. I've had judged several events myself as well, so it's definitely something that you you have to be able to handle as being a judge. And you know, and it's you see like a lot of the judges that do get picked for it. A lot of it like really don't play the game a whole lot anymore it's they're really on like one major side if it's like judging or playing they're going to pick the judges that are most of the time that are more willing to judge than they are to play it's hard to kind of play like a balance between the middle like regionals it might be okay but for bigger events it might be a little bit more picky when you get a lot more applications mm-hmm. uh, especially like like one of the like the big incentive is like the the judge gifts like that's like a big incentive to a lot of the people that are like oh do i want to play or do i want to judge well there's the judge gift right now of course judges are now um 
they're paid now. They're paid hourly based off of, um, which is actually a really good change. Consider that you know it covers for a lot of the expenses, and then then the uh, the judge gives themselves a often more often than not, most of the judges just sell off everything that they got, like completely sealed, like their packs and everything. They're basically just boxes and everything, and they, they just completely flip it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the mats are exclusive to the judges as well, so that's another thing that they they typically flip, but. Like that's some of the incentives. Like some people just go for those incentives, but to me, I think you know those are they are what they are named for. Like they're gifts, you know, to help ease some of the cost. And I appreciate having that. But then now that it's already paid, so it's like kind of double stacked <laughs> in some sense. Yeah, it's like before, like when they gave a product, it was it could be a bit of a gamble, but depending on if you wanted to sell your product or if you wanted to uh, just maybe open up and then maybe sell it from there or keep it for yourself. And then nowadays it's now you're, you're getting paid, even though it is taxed, by the way, for people who don't know yeah. that that stuff is taxed now, which is, you have to keep, uh, keep aware of, but it, it's more of like a investment, I guess, for judges to be able to, they know they can come out with at least some, like some monetary, uh, you know, compensation for being able right. to judge. And like, there's like two different sides of the, of the argument of whether people like the prizes more or people like uh, having the money. But then it, these, there's a lot of new more judge gifts now that are, are coming out, which are really cool that, uh, that kind of help it's good, offset it's, that. It's, it's really good incentives. I would say when mm-hmm. it comes to that, because like, I know people want to play and a, a lot of judges, they're really, really good players. Like from what I've seen, especially when you go into the judge tournaments, like the, the that they have at the lobby of the hotel, yes, um, you know how strong some of these players actually are, and they're choosing to forego their chance to actually compete just so that they can, you know, manage the event, make sure that the event runs smoothly. It's something that's kind of underappreciated. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but having these incentives just make sure that there are more people that are willing to judge uh, <laughs> these events, which is actually a good thing. It allows these events to happen. Mm-hmm. And they always want the best judges. We don't want like, oh, like you don't want, you know, some random you know, schmo that goes in and be like, he hey, he did his RC one, he did his PC one, and, you, and then they just jump in. But then he really knows very little. And like in terms of like, you have to know them not only as like knowing rulings is a good thing, but knowing how to deal with uh, uh, like the uh, the policy is just as important because they come up much more than just ruling issues. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, agree with you on that one. And, uh, you know, ju- have you ever had that feeling where w- when you judge an event and you, you look at the field and you say, like, you know, if, if I would have played, like, I think I could have had a good chance of topping this event or anything like that. Just just going off the skill of these these judges before, because I've played several judges before. And I've been beaten by them. Inversely, I've beaten several judges as well. But have you ever had that thought that if you played the event, you would you'd have a good chance of uh, topping the I event? I think the one that... My best bet at the time, um, mm-hmm. probably would have been like Niagara Falls 2000. The, the one that I judged for the first time, that was the one where I was yes. like super comfortable with the format already. Like mm-hmm. that one was like, uh, kind of like even at even at the WCQ, I didn't do that bad either. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the one time I was like, oh man, I could have played, but you know what? The thing is, I never would have went there if it mm-hmm. wasn't for like you know a lot of the. Uh, you know, a lot of the fees that they help cover, like they do compensate a little bit for the flight and everything. And if it wasn't for all the little things, because then mm-hmm. rather than like actually getting paid to go there and, and get paid on the hour to, to work there, I would be mainly just spending, expending my own expenses to get there. So mm-hmm. I, it, it basically would have been like, I wouldn't even be there if I was playing. 
because because mm-hmm. it was just not a possibility. I couldn't just take the time off just to fly to Toronto and and then take like I don't know like another hour to go to Niagara Falls. Like it was, that was just not possible for me. So in no. other words, I just have to accept the fact that I'm there to do the job and I'm going to do it well. That's 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 really all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it might be a little bit trickier for you, considering like you know the geographical location. Yeah, that like is that there's there are people that fly in, and when people fly in, they have to consider like, hey, they, this is they're there to do a job, and like playing is basically out of the option, or else you just wouldn't even be there. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of players that do are able to fly in, uh, typically have like some kind of sponsorship that uh, do it. And I'm gonna guess that on your end that you don't have any any sponsor at this moment in time. I don't have any major sponsors no i could probably ask for it but i i'm just too busy to actually bother with it i (laughs) i want to work on so many things right now and i'm not getting any of those chances yeah well let's let's dive into that a little more because i I don't think we really got like a full answer yet because we kind of backtracked so far just to kind of dip into it now so we 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 talked about how your your channel's uh, all about really uh, maintaining balance with your life since you have a full-time job you have a you have a new wife now on you that's and you know you have a collaboration with several other people that do mst tv so i uh, work out that balance with yourself so in terms of like day-to-day the work it's kind of like it's game company i'm now like a senior ui artist more like a senior technical ui artist because i do a lot of the implementation i go between code all the time mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, one game that I worked on is actually, if you're using like a Windows computer, you can already, already play the game I worked on. <laughs> Microsoft Solitaire Collection that's built into your Ooh. Windows machine. I am, I am in, I'm credited in there. Oh, really? <laughs> I am not kidding. I'm credited in there. You can go look it up if you want to. I'm and looking then, it up right now as you keep, as you keep talking. So keep going. I'm going to look for yeah, it. Yeah, go, go look into the credits page and you'll find me there. Um, that's one game that eventually led to my senior position. I, I was working on that for some time now. So that that's basically, uh, well, I don't work on that project anymore. Personally, I, yeah. I moved on to the next project and, um, basically, uh, that's my nine, it was like basically my nine thirty to like six thirty, six thirty seven, And mm-hmm. that's, that's my hours game gaming hours. You work till you, you get your hours in, um, so then there's that. So then when I go home, that's when I eat. Then I actually start doing the YouTube stuff. And I have like a like a notebook that I use to plan out my whole schedule. Like, of course, there's in Yu-Gi-Oh, there's like, oh, random announcements that come up. Like, do I want to tackle it or does Nishi want to tackle it? Because like we're the two presenters right now and we try to kind of split it apart. And we also have to talk about like every now and then we we get an update on like youtube algorithms and stuff like that and we have a meeting about that like hey how do we want to tackle it do you want to do like five videos a week we want to change up we change up our schedule depending on like the time of the year during the summer people are out of school there's no school going on for like a lot of the high schoolers then we're like you know what we can actually pump more content they can get daily content if they want to and then we work a bit harder for those ones but then when there is school maybe like oh maybe we'll have a little you know a little hump day that we don't do anything let us like breathe a little because they're still working day to day. Nishi also works full time as well. So, so both of like all of us, we're all like fully employed by some employer. And so we are trying to like, we all do this stuff after hours. And sometimes whenever there's like a random announcement, like, that's why I can't do like bandless reactions as, as frequently. Yeah. Cause like bandless reactions, they usually get announced during 10 o'clock or noon. Those are the two common times that they get announced. 
Sometimes one. There was one time was, I, I keep track of all of this. I, I try to make a little pattern chart. To this. I'm like, I'm like uh, it's about this time. We, we, we can hold back on content and see if we can just throw a reaction out there. Because like a lot of the time about doing this stuff is like, aside from just making content, you have to also understand the platform that you're putting it into. If you don't understand the platform, you will never grow. You'll just do, you'll just do everything wrong. And like, oh, why does my video not get the exposure that the other guy's video did? It's because they know how to play the algorithm or they got lucky when they played the algorithm. Mm -hmm. So that's like one big thing that people don't talk to. They think like, oh, just make a video and upload it and share it. But there's more behind that. So that's kind of like the YouTube side. So our day to day was like day job, YouTube and whatever. Try to give my weekend to... I'm trying to give my weekend to my wife as much as possible, or like most of my mm -hmm. at least one or two hours within the after, uh, um, after after work, before I start doing this uh, editing and video recording, I try to dedicate that to you know social socializing, like wife, friends, and stuff like that, because it's really hard to balance it once you have everything's consuming time and that kind of goes without saying like when it comes to like oh I want to work on new merch I haven't put out new merch in a very long time because. Mm -hmm. I traded that time away. So it's about like, what are you, what are, what are you willing to, you know, sacrifice for? And that's what I have. Like there, there is some point where I'm like, should I still continue working for the company that I'm working for? Um, and it's like that, that always comes into like conversation every now and then, like, how do I dedicate myself to full time? Cause technically YouTube is not full time for me. Most people, once they hit 30 K, they go full time. They find all the avenues of revenue for them. And they're like, I'm going to maximize on each of these parts. And, and they really, they just grind at it. I haven't found myself doing that yet. Have you decided to like, so you, first of all, you graduated from uh, Simon Fraser University and yeah. you studied interactive arts and technology, interactive design, uh, from what I saw. Yeah. And, and and again, to, to confirm back to what you said, yes, I do see your name in, in the credits of the Microsoft Solitaire Collection. Yeah. <laughs> the user interface artist, I see you at the very bottom of that list. So that's really cool to see that uh, that something that uh, you help create is is out there on everyone's. Uh, yeah, it's on a billion computers, computers, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and I used to play a, a ton of free cell back in the day. So, uh, man, I might just have to hop on j just for the heck of it, just to see how, uh, just see how your work is. Yeah, the card back, uh, the card back vector. Uh, I redesigned it for that one. Yeah. So, yeah. and actually, every single screen that you touch, I built ninety-five percent of that game. Oh, very nice. Oh, well, that, well, I'm just gonna have to give you feedback later on sometime whenever I decide Trust to me. sit <laughs> down and play it. It's not. It's not. It's not just the one on your computer. It's all the one on the mobile as well. It is one oh, of the most nice. adaptive pieces of UI I've ever worked with. It's. A, it's such a like. A, it looks so simple, but when you consider like when showing it to like I guess someone in the field, once you tell them that you can resize that to like anything, yeah. that's when they're like, "What did you do to actually like accomplish this?" It's. 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 Yeah. It's insane the amount. Like, like you know how games sometimes don't work on certain resolution. Mm -hmm. When a game works on every resolution. That is some kind of wizarding magic that even I barely comprehend now. <laughs> yeah, because like a really big thing now in that I find in games is just uh, just quality of life updates and just upgrades. And is that something that uh, you would be kind of a part of applying a user interface? I apply the user interface. Yes, in terms of like design discussions, like 
let them let them figure it out because like i i wasn't really a part of that i was just okay. like i wasn't the guy that implemented told them what is possible what isn't these are all the conflicting areas when you want all of these things together the guy that break things apart that's kind of like how i take look at rulings really i just break yeah. it apart and i like i reverse engineer things like they want something to work a certain way i'll just find a reverse engineered uh, operation to actually get it done and i always get it done that was the that was the key thing that's <laughs> so, like the creative thinking that comes in my brain well that, i mean that's really good because like, considering that you're you know you graduate from like a pretty good uh pretty good university itself it's quite pretty prestige out there at least on the out in the west coast for it and you, you seemed uh, have you applied anything that you've uh that you when you graduated university out now to like uh, out into Yu-Gi-Oh or at least like mst.tv kind of like how like I, I graduated as a journalist and then mm -hmm. i started doing a podcast now for Yu-Gi-Oh and applying all of my journalism skills into this podcast and uh, how about you for example yes i definitely did use this skill this is like a rare chance like you know how they say like when you graduate from university you're not going to use some a lot of these skills well yeah <laughs> i'm like you know i'm gonna make the best of it you know we've paid for this this ex this expensive experience and uh so yeah i did take a lot of it like a lot of it was more like the technical skills i kind of got out of it like unlike a uh, like a like a applied skill college or anything like that like where they go directly yeah. into the skills in university you spend more of your time learning how to do certain things you learn the method of finding things which is i think more beneficial than actually knowing how to do something because you can find out how to do it eventually and what i learned was video editing and learn a lot of the different kinds of software that is available out there and learn a lot of different editing techniques just concepts learning all these concepts how to properly do it like like from a basic thing like how to do a proper green screen for something like that it seems very basic how the computer inter interprets data a visual data and how you can use that to manipulate certain things and then the concepts of storytelling how to pace your videos so that people will watch all of it and you can see a lot of these concepts being applied to some of the biggest youtubers out there they know what is and then willing the willingness to take feedback like a lot of people kind of live in their own zone for some reason they 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 develop this ego but then they're not humbled enough to learn from their mistakes and they <laughs> kind of repeat that path over and over again and eventually that's kind of what stunts growth <laughs> like um so i learned a lot about design. like i actually have two majors i actually graduated two two majors i have in <laughs> interactive arts and technology in the uh media art sense and i also graduate design design let me kind of grasp all these concepts and the media art side let me apply the skill <laughs> and it's the it's the kind of the marriage of the best of both worlds for me which allowed me to be a very technical and kind of break things down the whole reverse engineering thing kind of comes from there <laughs> and uh yeah so from there these are the concepts that i use and apply to the channel all the time you know, I can relate to you directly on that one because I also majored in uh, philosophy as well when I did journalism, which again, mm -hmm. to a lot of people is like one of those like baloney, baloney no job uh, majors. <laughs> but I do apply a lot of philosophy into myself with my journalism, for example, like when it comes to like logic and reasoning, which is one of my favorite things about philosophy is when like, you know, people talk and talk. It's my job for me to kind of like dissect what people say is like, does this does this premise match up with this premise? And then if not kind of question them further and kind of press on it and that's that's kind of how i apply philosophy with 
know, with journalism is just being able to, uh, to dig deeper and ask uh, like, the bigger questions and even uh, dig, find mm-hmm. more about uh, what people want to say. So that's kind of what similar to what you do in, as well. So it's nice to see that you can use some of those like university skills that you apply that people think is just all theory and whatnot and has no practical application, but you can actually use it in a practical application yes. with MSTTV, such, such as in your channel. And it's been doing quite well so far. So I'm glad to see you have uh, a, a good practical like tangible form of success with your university degree yes i kind of sometimes i wonder what would happen if i actually just took this uh, youtube thing full time mm-hmm. i do wonder about it because i'm like there are certain like there are certain avenues i i did dabble in in terms of like like different uh revenue avenues i could come in i'm like i could work on these a bit more and if i did have like you know if i take away the full-time job like giving myself back 40 hours a week. What can I do with those 40 hours? Like I am putting myself at, you know, if I was to be competitive in this whole YouTube scene, like I am giving, putting myself at a slight disadvantage at times because I'm not dedicated hundred percent to it. I can't really react as fast as uh, a lot of the other tubers, you know, that's, that's their thing. So you have to, when it comes to like accepting that, then you have to develop different kinds of content. You know how we talked about, say, like fanless reactions. Those are mm-hmm. really, really popular. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of people would like to kind of, uh, it's like one of the most interactive content you have out there. But because I don't have that luxury, I have to come up with something else. And that's where the ban list uh, analysis and the, the damage report stuff came out, where I'm like, why don't I actually just break it down? What did these guys actually lose? I know people want to come up with like a 10 minute video so they put AdSense in there. But then I always come up with these 20, 25, maybe 30 minute videos, breaking mm-hmm. down all the decks that got hit in which way they got hit. And this is, again, the reverse engineer. But this time, rather than reverse engineering, right? we already have the final product. Now we're pulling the things out because of the ban list. And now we're looking at does this still play? And then we're delivering that information because it does take a lot of time. It takes like hours of research. And that's, that's my advantage of not putting out content immediately uh, towards the bandless subject. I mean, everyone can, everyone can like just go to the website and find out the bandless themselves, but the, but like the general reaction is what people find entertaining. People want to share that moment with everyone. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the advantage of doing the bandless reaction. Um, But then after that, what comes after it's the analysis. They want to know, how deep that rabbit hole goes kind of kind mm-hmm. of deal so that's uh it's kind of one of the uh like taking advantage like if you give you're given lemons you may make lemonade kind of situation mm-hmm. you know there's a really good journalism parallel that goes with this and it's that when you know a story breaks for example, people want to be like the first to, yeah. to bring it out. It's like you see it like YouTube comments, like first, first, first. You see that all the time. Mm-hmm. But when you give uh, a little bit more time and a little bit more thought process into it, you can be second or third, but you can also divulge even more information than what the first comment gives you. And that seems like what you're doing for at least your MST TV. Mm-hmm. You know that you can't really be, you can't win in the game of speed, but you can definitely win in the content of quality because you've given yourself like a chance to be able to analyze and kind of walk through everything before you put your content out there so it doesn't seem quite as uh, uh quite as raw it's more refined and mm-hmm. that's what your product seems to be yep that is exactly what it is and that's just a, like i know a lot of people are trying to start out like youtubing like not just youtube but just youtubing and yep. 
not everything is going to work out smoothly. That, that's just how it is. There's going to be a lot of compromises that you're going to have to make until the point where you hit that tipping point where you don't need to compromise anymore. Then you can finally put your vision full on uh, for everyone. But until then, it's the grind. It, like the before that whole point, actually, you before you even reach that point, you have to do the grind. You have to test your own grit, basically, to see if you're willing to actually put in the work without you know getting everything back, not what you expect all the time. And sometimes it's for better, sometimes it's for worse, but then willing to accept every single pitfall and keep going is, is kind of where it is. Or else there's no point continuing. Yeah, it, it, it's really tough nowadays for anybody to start getting into YouTube nowadays just because you, you already have like some of the cream of the crop that's are already up there as well. And it gets really difficult to get noticed because so many people try to do it and so many people fail on it. You know, some people don't like commit or anything like that. It's tough. And I know that some of the YouTubers out there right now, they treat this as their, their full-time career yeah. in, in some sense, like uh, n- not for you, but you've, like, but with the time that you've been able to put into it, you, you guys have a pretty successful channel so far. And I've definitely watched uh, some of your videos before. Like your Luna Life video was the one that I watched a whole lot because I was using that to prep myself for for an OTS championship. So thanks for teaching me how to play Luna Lights, by the way. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but that's the, the thing, though. It's just getting able to start and you know having to compromise yourself. It, it's tough. Like it, as for me, example, sometimes it can be really tricky just to get a guest every week and having to plan out everything because everybody's so busy not everything can align the way you want to and it, yeah. it's, it can get tricky in a while like and that's and again like not, not trying to bash you or anything but it, it took several weeks for us to finally no. get something it, going it, it is hard because, because you're you're talking with two separate parties you have your schedule i have my schedule i yeah. was at the time i was bombarded with not just like giveaways and stuff like that but i had like a lot of the stuff that were basically nda um when when like it's just like I, you guys know that i have like occasionally sponsored content from konami every now and then and yep. those are usually under nda until they are released so during those times like i have to work a little bit harder because i can't release the content so i'm basically doing content ahead of time uh, which usually mm-hmm. which doesn't really work out to in my schedule usually it's like a surprise here's you know surprise bomb go ahead and deal with it so mm-hmm. It's it's harder, and then I have to make sure that I have enough time for like all the other aspects. I don't want all the other aspects to fall apart. I, I'm running a pretty tight balance here. If one side falls apart, I I don't know. I do feel it emotionally, or like I'm like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a failure to some mm-hmm. degree. And whenever that like I try not to let that get to me because like once I feel the failure, it's like you're only a little bit like you're only like a little bit off from feeling burnt out, and that feeling mm-hmm. of burnt out is. It's hard to come back from. It, it, it really is. Just a quick example again for me, because uh, I'm a university dropout, actually. I dropped out twice in, in the matter of four years. Mm-hmm. And it took me about six years to decide to go back to university and do a whole nother four years of it. Like I, I started at 27, graduated at 31. I'm now, I'm going to be 33 in a month now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it was very tough to, to really climb back out of that. And you really have to have like the mental fortitude and, and the motivation to really put yourself back into it. So I can understand what you're, when you're going through having to like fight yourself down from like trying to remotivate yourself when you're, when you're on your low. Yeah. That's like, it's a, a really big part of it. I, I, I don't think a lot of people see that because I have actually been burnt out twice. Mm-hmm. 
twice. Yes. Uh, once when I got when I was a freshly graduated out of university, I actually took a while to actually get my first job in the industry that mm-hmm. I wanted to. I worked for Amazon mm-hmm. for a little bit as like a warehouse guy for a little bit. And yep. then I, the stories are mostly true. <laughs> I would say the, the work, the work stuff, man, <laughs> it was stressful working in that warehouse. <laughs> and like, you know, I started off somewhere. Everyone kind of starts off somewhere. You don't really, you might get lucky and start off with where you wanted to be right away. But eventually I got out of the, the warehouse and then I got myself um, a desk job working as my first junior UI artist position where funny enough, I automated my whole position within three oh, wow. three months i just like oh wow like i know a lot of photoshop tricks that just makes my life so much easier and that's why the quality bar like i don't have time to edit like that amount so i just make templates and i make a bunch of actions and i write a bunch of scripts to automate a lot of the unnecessary editing that's super repetitive that's a, that's the tip guys that's the big tip learn how to automate <laughs> you'll be able to pump so many more videos once you automate a lot of it um and like a lot of crazy effects i built my whole library of editing effects so that i don't have to manually implement it every time like all the little bits save time within my crazy balance or else it just falls apart there's no way like how am i supposed to improve my video quality if i'm doing the same thing over and over again if i don't have enough time to improve so rather than improving on one video I would dedicate my time to improve a skill I probably am trying to develop and try to template that and then reuse it. So that now every video moving forward can use these various effects or these things that make visuals look better and try to accumulate like a library of stuff and uh, just keep that library organized. If you don't organize it, it's, it's, it's no difference of redoing over and over again. But like that's kind of the stuff that I do to maintain this balance of improvement while um, trying to just maintain the same schedule. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself uh, to be like constantly busy throughout like uh, like a daily, uh, like a week? We'll, we'll say like throughout the week. Like, do you find yourself having a lot of spare time or very little? I find myself to have very little spare time. To to be honest, um, it's hard. I want to finish my merch. I do have two pieces of merch that are completely finished, ready to be like sent out. I don't have time to do. <laughs> but the thing is, once you have like merch done, like the physical product can be ready but then the promotion is just as important like i underestimated the marketing aspect of it uh for the longest time which is why like some products they sell out within seconds whereas some products they sell out maybe within like a week um within those ones um i try to under- get an understanding of like what happened and it's like it's the marketing the the you know, the, the hype the drop uh that comes with it um that's the stuff that I haven't been able to plan out, so I haven't been able to release my 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 merch for some time now. Mm-hmm. One has been ready for like a year. Luckily, I, I'm trying to do things that are a bit more timeless these days, rather than like before when I made mats or like of uh, specific archetypes and whatnot. Now I'm trying to go a bit more timeless because it seems like the timeless one are the ones that people really really want over time. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my very first mat that I did with Imperium. The one that was just a bunch of zones, like when links came in, I just did a, I did a, a zone mat, and I see that mat everywhere. It is a, it is the oh, one really? that I still see to this day. I see it on eBay every now and then. Someone's actually selling it, and then it's sold. And I'm like, wow, people, that's the one that people want. I'm like, why am I making all these? Like, I get that there's some hype behind like some iconic monster. Like, if there's a monster like Masterpiece, for instance, that thing is beautiful. That card is beautiful. It's like it's banned and it's still worth twenty bucks. Like, we know like beautiful cards are. Like eventually gonna be timeless. Like the Ghost Girls series, they're always gonna be timeless because 
they're such a pivotal part of the game now. And so when we look at these uh, these iconic monsters, then those are the ones that I probably want to deviate towards making uh, making a product for rather than um, I don't really have an example like rather than making one for say like Phantom Knights or stuff like that. It's just it's just not the same. Like you, you mm-hmm. only target a specific fan base where you target something a bit more generic. Everyone kind of want to get their hands on it. Yeah, because like for example, hey, like all, all the hand traps, those the the, the seasonal go like hand traps, like, they appeal to everybody because everyone in some way, shape, or form has likely run that kind of that kind of card, and it's and the artwork is also appreciated as mm-hmm. well. I mean, my girlfriend had a very small stint in playing Yu-Gi-Oh for a short time, and she loved like playing the hand traps, not because of just how effective they were at the time, but also the artwork of it as well, like, because it's so like visually appealing. And again, that can also apply to I guess Dark Magician Girl in, in another yes. sense as well. So that's. De- so that's definitely like a big factor in uh, in going to design products, for example. Yeah. Because I'm holding, I hold a right now, I hold like a, an apprentice illusion magician uh, field center that uh, that's like from a from a judging an, an OTS championship that I got, mm-hmm. like sealed. It's roughly around like 175 bucks, and you know for a field center. Uh, but again, a Princess Illusion just is kind of like a variant of Dark Magician Girl, which is so widely popular, which again would appeal to like a lot of masses. So uh, there's a lot of merit in what you're saying for, you know, designing something that has appeal to like the general masses as opposed to like one niche community. Yeah. So that's kind of like the things I like to kind of focus on. I, I know there's like a lot of hype for things. I know the like, new product, there's lots of hype behind it. But, you know, you can't really just bank on hype all the time. Like that's yes. kind of like the process that I, I like to think about a bit more often you know this is like these are this is some of like the serious behind the scenes things i i really get to talk about so i'm I'm glad i'm getting a chance to kind of bring that forward yeah of course i mean that's why i'm here it's it's this is your outlet to talk so i mean go ahead if you want to go on about whatever i mean that's that's why i brought you on so yeah that's uh that's actually i think that's really all there is about like the the time and the planning on my day-to-day life it's just that during the weekday, it's hard because I also like making food. You know, in, in a relationship, one person eventually is the one that takes care of the kitchen, and that's going to be me. So I have that on top. I like yes, making food. Same as myself. I like making food. Same as myself. Yeah, because I know that you had a you had a separate channel as well that uh, did focus around food, whether it would be you going out and uh, eating food or it'd be you making food at home yes. as well. Like, I know you haven't. I, put have, up, I know you haven't put up a couple. I haven't videos, put up videos like, on that channel for a very long time because I started a second channel dealing with Zen and Zard because I've been playing that game for some time. I got really competitive, but also got really good at the game very quickly because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that that game kind of rung, struck a chord with me so I, I decided to start a channel for it. i haven't uploaded a video on there ever since i took on like a couple of sponsored videos but i really want to get back to it because it is such an untapped market and looking at mm-hmm. how much bandai is putting into that game i know that mm-hmm. game is going to be huge it's to me that's already a guarantee so making content for right now the content creators are all really fresh we're talking about this is mm-hmm. the pioneering moment most of the biggest Zen and Zard, you, you, like Zen and Tubers, they only have about 1,000, less than 2,000 subs right now. And they are growing. They've only been growing for a couple months from the game launch. And I'm like, this, either jump on it right away or hold your peace when they move forward and when they grow super big. Because they have this unbelievable potential. This is like a rare chance. Like I, I rarely look at a game and be like, oh, this is going to be really good good i look at that game i'm like 
that is a game that has the potential for a community to be developed. And now is the time. They're they're so young, and the band is dumping so much money into the promotion. So mm-hmm. that's kind of like what I. That's like the the second thing I'm kind of working on right now. I only put like three videos on there. <laughs> I'm like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, speaking of which, like you know, like having help and and uh, kind of balancing your life out. You know, you mentioned that your your wife is also a producer for your channel. Uh, has she had any like? Uh, any actual like formal education in that kind of background? No, she or, does not. Or... Um, she's mainly into cosmetics for the most mm-hmm. part. And um, she kind of learned it from the ground up, I would say. Like from managing the camera when um, uh, Nishi and Oscar were here. When Before I figure out my current setup. My current setup is like everything's straight to the computer now. I don't want to handle it otherwise even whether i do a live stream or whether i do any sort of like live like when when i was still able to do like live dual recordings at the time now it's much mm-hmm. harder because you know locals is not exactly a thing and uh, doing a live game requires people to interact in person um she would be the one managing most of that stuff and then i would actually put everything straight into the computer now like now that i've known what technology is available being able to put everything straight into the computer without that annoying transfer step or annoying like cut you know delete the useless footage whether or not the footage is even useful like skipping that entire step say i would say saved me about 30 percent of my time mm-hmm. the post-processing part of it because like I don't have to review dead footage anymore. I don't have to like remember which one was the good one, which one was the bad one. I won't accidentally delete the wrong one. You know, cutting all those errors out, big saving. And so, how did she come about? Uh, started like helping out with uh, your channel? um when I was uh, when I got my first uh, job at the game, the first game company I was at. Um, they, I was around. It was around like. I don't know. It was like about a couple months before I was about to get laid off, really. I'm like, I need something to as a resume booster. And I, I need some help with the camera because moving back and forth between the camera was very difficult. Eventually, I bought a remote for my camera so I can turn on the recording a bit quicker. Little, little things like that. Quality of life changes definitely make it a lot easier and makes me more motivated to keep going. But eventually, there are times where I like, I need someone to actually inspect the scene. And that's when I kind of brought her on. I'm like, I need you to check audio and video for me. Make sure everything's in focus. I've recorded a whole video that was out of focus before, and that was upsetting. No, that really? was upsetting. Oh. I recorded a whole video without audio once. That was upsetting. So oh, that, wow. So when these <laughs> things kind of came about, I'm like, I asked if she, she could help, and she, she jumped on board. So then she takes care of uh, a lot of like the some nowadays, uh, within the last couple months, she started doing the editing for me some for some simpler videos. And uh, I really appreciate that because that means I get to uh, sleep. <laughs> I get to I get to sleep more, and she's she's really concerned about like my health, like overworking myself because she knows how much I work. And um, yeah, now she gets to see it on a day to day basis, and she kind of gets like, "Holy crap, you're just like all work." She calls me a workaholic all the time, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. I think she's right. And not, it's not just her. Even my parents call me a bit of a workaholic. Like you're working yourself to death. And um, yeah, well, that's kind of part of the grind, I would say, that you do. It also kind of shows character in some sense that you're willing to work so hard for something that at the time, like I'm not making any money from the channel. I'm not, I'm not making yeah. anything from the channel at the time. So willing to put that many hours into something that was more or less just like a passion project kind of showed the dedication. Eventually, they stopped ridiculing me for like, ah, oh, why are you still doing this YouTube thing? Like, I'm like, 
Well, this YouTube thing kind of like covers a lot. Like I still work full time because it's 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 a good way to kind of advance my life forward without worrying about um, like income. I don't I I would say I was impacted the least from COVID for the most part. Um, so that was fortunately because I have my job and I have the YouTube side. And you know, her coming in really helped me. I got more rest because of it. And she helps out dealing with all the like, any sort of giveaway shipping. She deals with it. She's the producer. She can handle uh, most of the giveaway uh, shipping stuff. And um, yep. like all the, a lot of the back end stuff I, that I used to have to like wonder and worry about that would delay my production. She would take care of it. So, yeah. And I, I, I'm completely on, with you on that one. I can absolutely relate because uh, my girlfriend, myself, she was the one who designed my logo for my podcast took her about four days to do it. Cause she's an artist herself. And I actually paid her. Like I gave her money for it to actually do it for her. Cause I really wanted to, her to work hard at it. And now she, and she also helps kind of keep myself in line with reality nowadays, because sometimes like I work a lot myself cause I, I work my, my full time, my career. And then I also work at a, a card shop as well. And then not so much. I'm juggling this podcast all, all the time. And I'm also a sports broadcaster mm-hmm. as well. Although COVID's kind of, although COVID's kind of knocked that down a little bit, but you know, when, when all this goes like full force, like I'm a very busy man too, just kind of like yourself. So my, my girlfriend has been really good with me helping kind of keep reality and keep my life balance in check that I don't kind of drift away too much into my work because I definitely myself will work as much as I can and possible just kind of like help, like, you know, bring the money in and whatnot. And she helps like keep me on a level head and keep my, keep my mental self in check just because, you know, I can get carried away with work yep. a lot. So I completely like understand how y- your wife would kind of keep you in balance and keep you in check just as much as my girlfriend does the same for me. And I'm really thankful. I'm sure you're thankful that you have a woman at your side. To be yeah. Happy. And I mean, we've been together for like, I don't know, before we even got married, we were at least together for like eight years. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Like the entire twenties was like there. So it was like she was there for the entire, basically my entire twenties. So, um, yeah, she it was it was basically gonna be her. I don't think there was anyone else. Like we know each other too well at this point, and we're still we're still with each other. We're not at each other's teeth all the time. So no, we're all good. <laughs> yeah, uh, as opposed to myself and my girlfriend, we ridicule each other like uh, all the time because that's that's just how our relationship is. She makes fun of me, yep. I make fun of her. We always laugh at each other about it, and that's. I, I'm, I'm glad that you at least uh, that you're now your wife uh, as mm-hmm. as you know you've got to work it out with her and you have a balance with her and she kind of helps out as well which is really good for you uh, in considering how busy like you've gotten cons- juggling full time job the channel and you know have wanted to play Yu Gi Oh as well on top of it and and your Twitch streams yeah I don't I don't even have my Twitch streams anymore like I I want oh, to no. stream I have my stream account right yeah. now nowadays whenever I go on Twitch I lurk different channels. I think I think whoever that's you're listening, I'm like, like you think I don't look at your channels? Okay, I look at the guy. Okay, who? Okay, there's some dude with 300 viewers. It's either Distant Coder, it's either Cody, or it's um, I don't know who who else is there. That's like in the top. Sometimes it's Gabe. I look at Gabe sometimes, and like, and then I'm like, okay, well, I every every now and then I have my Prime sub, and I'm, I just drop it to one of them. It's easy. I'm like. I don't use my prime sub. I'd rather give it to someone that, you know, I just happened to be watching. I got, I felt entertained. You know what? Prime sub. I would give them a shout out as well if I'm watching so I can pull maybe some of my viewers over because I believe in actually growing not only just my channel, but I want to grow the community as well. And being put in a position where I can do some minimal growth, uh, I do appreciate it. Like Cody started his YouTube channel. 
Chinping Shu, sorry, YouTube channel. Yes. Like, I really wanted them to get going. But the thing is, a lot of content creators, I'm not like gonna name names or anything, they they have a specific formula they want. They want to use the name of the person that's famous and try to boost themselves. I kind of feel like I want to do the opposite. Like they're they're doing it for exposure, so I get it. You know, they they still get something out of it, but I kind of mm-hmm. want to put the focus back onto well, the the guests, kind of like what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I want to make sure that they are the one that are getting something out of it. Like there's a there's a, actually a trick to do it. There's a trick to actually get yourself to grow. And I, I I tested it out before when I was growing. When I was like a small channel, I grew about a thousand subscribers at the time from doing this one thing. Mm-hmm. It's a two-part series. Part one, put it on the big channel so you can grab the audience. Mm-hmm. Part two, put it on the other guy's mm-hmm. channel. And then mm-hmm. the, the it, it's an immediate spike. Mm-hmm. It's an immediate spike. It, it The thing is, the person... like I, I did this with Galactic God. I'm not sure if you remember Galactic God. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm aware of the God was one of the OG YouTubers. The, I believe one of the first ones to hit 100k. And he doesn't even do it anymore. That's the crazy part. But he was such a nice guy. When I just started out, I proposed to him. This is how I kind of like, there are certain parts in YouTube, like, oh, your first hundred takes a while to actually get your first hundred subs. If you don't have good, if you're just yeah. doing constant posts, but nothing really sparks, then it takes a while to get the first hundred. Unless you get like a shared video, then you get the hundred pretty quickly. But then from 100 to 500, that seems like a grind. You see on Twitter every now and then someone's celebrating, like, you know, oh, I got to my first 500 subs. It's a good milestone. In fact, like, I know some people that are like, she's only at 500, but like, no, this is a moment of celebration. Like, I remember my first 500. Mm-hmm. I felt really good about it. Mm-hmm. And like, they hit that milestone and they earned it. And whatever that they did, they have to keep going to hit to the first thousand. The first thousand, 500 to 1,000 is one mm-hmm. heck of a grind. I would say it took forever yes, for most people. But then because now you have the audience, the algorithm picks you up and throws you out a bit more. So the growth is faster. And mm-hmm. 1,000 to 2,000 actually doesn't actually take that long. For some reason, everyone's 1,000 to 2,000 experience actually doesn't take too long. It, it just happens. It's just mm-hmm. one of your content is going to be picked up by someone and it's going to be pushed out and then you're going to get your 1,000 within like a couple months after the first thousand that's what i've seen from most of the people that i've watched and then um but what i did to skip a bunch of that was i did that two-parter series with galactic god i gave him the one that i was saving for my own channel but i'm like you know what i'm just gonna give it to you uh i think it's actually worth it and i think uh, you know i think i want people to see this more than i want this to be on my own channel so i made it a two-parter i did the meta history my top tier timeline I covered the early 2002 to 2007 on his channel. Mm -hmm. And then I did the 2007 onwards back on my channel. And that's how I pulled a lot of subs uh, for one. The thing is, I did the entire production and I just split the video in half and gave half of it to him and then half of it back back to myself. And uh, he was really appreciative because that was one of the... uh, It gave him a ton of views for sure. Mm-hmm. Which is good because you know there's there's it's a give and take relationship whenever you do a collab with someone, and that yeah. one helped me boost up my channel where I got to bypass the two thousand three thousand sub mark very very quickly. 
and uh, there's just different strategies like you have to collab with the right people but then like how do you build that trust is another thing i, ha I have a lot of talk with team APS's paul uh have you talked with him before no i have not he talked to him is, yet. i'm aware of him but he I is like he is a genius like hands down he is a genius like he and i we clicked really early on like when he was around four thousand subs that's when he noticed my channel and he gave my channel a chance. So there are a lot of people that gave my channel a chance. So in that sense, I want to also give a lot of the newer people a chance as well. And that's kind of where I'm like, I see Cody making a new channel. I see Shun making a new channel. I can bring out their best qualities into a video and repoint it back to them. And like, I always do recommendations like, oh, this is what you should watch from their channel. Because I... I to recommend someone, you have to know them, and that's kind of kind of the thing I like to do. Whenever I see new channels uh, kind of pop up, I do pay attention. Uh, I try to give myself a little mm -hmm. bit of time because it's not just about growing like MST TV. It's about growing the entire Yu-Gi-Oh community at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of like my little side mission where I'm like, oh, I see someone else kind of starting out. It's kind of like Team Samurai X1. He started off building Triff up. And uh, you know he's he's evolved. He's got way more pull power. And you know, Triff, I love the guy. He's he's hilarious. He's got so much energy. Everything. <laughs> everyone thinks I have some beef with like <laughs> a lot of people. I'm like I I really don't. <laughs> well, it's good. It's good that you don't have a whole lot of beef. With that. I mean, that's the, that's really good. But it, that just seems like what your the theme of yourself is just is. It's just not. It's just bringing everybody else up. It's you're not just bringing up YouTubers as well or whatnot or people who are starting out because. But Cody's got a great channel that he's starting up himself just as an example but you're like again going back to earlier in the podcast you were starting to bring up uh the, the community around like the british columbia area as well not just vancouver but a little bit in and around that you can hopefully get uh, more regions mm -hmm. into as well which is which is really important nowadays because now we're seeing a lot more uh, collaborations between you youtubers than ever before that i've ever seen in my life it's a really um, good thing you know, it's a really when. good thing it is Absolutely, it is, and and I kind of found that uh, going back to what you said about you know getting your first like five hundred subs or whatnot, is that like when I first started doing th this podcast, like I would do I would review whatever guests I would have on, but there wasn't a whole lot of like social media like collaboration that would go in and between it, and then as I started doing a little bit more and more collaborations and talks with whoever my next guest was then i started seeing more subs then i started getting more attention i mean it's it's one thing just to post all of your content out on social media but like almost everybody does it so you know it's there's you gotta be another reason for you to click mm -hmm. on that rather than just simply throwing it out there and definitely the collaborations and not just like bringing in big names even though you someone can totally accuse me no, of bringing in big names because like, I, it's being able to actually yeah. pull in the big name is, is actually a big thing if you think about it like yeah. why would they give yeah. you the time of day to do it that that's mm -hmm. a like, it's because they believe in the thing that you do they probably watch the thing that you do which is why i don't mind jumping mm -hmm. in i look at all these uh these like uh, i guess technically quote-unquote smaller channels i think these are people that are gonna grow really big there's uh head-to-head -head battles i i watch them uh i watched mm -hmm. uh crush card uh, pack who else is there there's a there's a ton of them and i watch them and i'm like dude even like db grinder like he just goes into does db videos all the time but i'm like these are guys that are that know what they're doing they have like solid potential to move forward and uh they and i know that they'll they'll as long as they're willing to keep going and grind it out um 
no pun intended <laughs> uh they they will make they, they will make something out of it so it's i i, I like being at one point in their position like i didn't grow from like one to 30k subs from like a shout out or anything i wasn't like viral i wasn't i wasn't brought up through like a viral post or anything like being able to work through mm -hmm. every step of the way uh you can kind of see who's actually got the got what it takes and you can see like their growth too like if i watch back my very first video oh my god i would cringe so hard i can't watch that video <laughs> I just can't. It's so hard. I was so stiff. It's like I got a stick up my butt or something. I don't know. I couldn't talk. I was like <laughs> stiff. Like we were like super serious. I tell, I look, I look like like crappy. Like if at school, there's always that one one bad teacher, one that that one bad instructor that just was like down to business all the time but it, there it was like yeah. there was no energy in in those kinds of videos and i i look back and i'm like mm -hmm. oh, i can't watch this i can't <laughs> do it this is awful <laughs> uh, that'll be another reaction video one day when i have to watch my very first video oh my god i can't do it my and the thing is that's how my wife teases me sometimes and the fact is not, not just my wife yeah. I, I visited a friend in toronto once and they put my first video on tv oh, wow. <laughs> and i was like turn it off just turn it off oh my god stop that was um uh, one day someone's gonna do that to you <laughs> yeah i i can believe it because i uh, i i did yugi tube about a year ago and then i i stopped for a while and like when i looked back at those videos i'm like i'm just talking in front of a camera that's it that's all i'm doing this is really lame why would anybody want to like pay more attention to me and oh my god and now like i revamp my channel now too it's just a just simply being a podcast and you know maybe if i give myself a little more time maybe i'll do a couple more things down the road but just a podcast for now because that is quite well suited to like my journalism mm -hmm. skills at the moment and then maybe if i get a little bit more bigger and bigger i can start putting a little bit more time and effort into the into my youtube channel but for now this is a pretty good balance of what balance. i balance you know again I, I also have yeah balance, balance is a big hard. thing because I also and have to anyone that's uh, starting off their own channel finding your balance what you're willing to commit and how you, much you're willing to kind of uh, you know sacrifice for it it, it is a very yeah. big step into getting it started yeah yeah and it really is because uh, again like especially when you have you have your girlfriend you have like a s several jobs or like a full-time job and then you like you have like your other hobbies as well because i i assume that you're yourself that you have more hobbies than just doing Yu-Gi-Oh. like food for example would be a, another yep. one of them and, and as as for myself i love playing sports as well I, I i just took up golf like several months ago as an example and like oh i like i like to watch a lot of sports on tv as well and play a bunch of video games you know everyone's got to find that balance in in between which is what i a thing i loved about your channel is how you kind of promote it how you get it out there and i know that uh, much to my own dismay that you know it, it took a took a little bit of time to be able to get you onto this podcast for this week's episode. And thank God we finally got onto it, but you know, having to juggle all around that, it, it gets really troublesome at one point in time. And, you know, you said you were, you felt burnt out a couple of times. I've definitely like, I've gotten to that point like in my life at one point in time. So like definitely finding that balance there, I find is so important with, not just yourself, but for everyone around you that like that cares for you and everything like that. So it's really good that you can help encourage that as well, but still do like pursue yes. something that you love. Self care is important. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I've talked about that with so many different guests on, on this podcast, more about self-care, especially like eating, like during a big event when you're playing is so key. And it could be like the biggest difference in you making a misplay or the right move to, you know, get yourself it, to the next it round. Is, well. So yeah, definitely it self-care. Is, and I can definitely attest to that. I remember, don't, don't be the guy that, eats like a milk and cheese burrito before you play. <laughs> but distraction <Yeah. laughs> is realistic. I've seen people, they've seen, I've seen, okay. I don't know why every, okay. The two YCSs that I've judged at, I've had one guy, mm-hmm. at least one guy that forfeits the match because he needs to go to the bathroom. I, and I yep. was like, my judge, my opponent just left. I'm like, why, why did he, why did he leave? He needed the bathroom. I'm like, you know, he could, tell a judge and we can hold the match for a reasonable amount of time because it's mm-hmm. you know it's human nature to need the bathroom it's not like it's not like you're it's it not is. like you're like handcuffed to the table you can't leave the table and i did a video specifically yeah. about this where like people just mm-hmm. like you know the, the term was poop uh, scoop to poop i'm like what no you <laughs> And then I learned that, yeah, you can go to the bathroom. You just have to tell a judge and they will, uh, if there is, you know, a judge that's available, they might, like, I know at um, the top tables, they recommend all players to go to the bathroom between rounds. And you have to, es- and you have to yes. escort them. I've escorted people to the bathroom about this. And mm-hmm. the thing is, if there are judges available, they will escort you or they'll, they'll watch over your stuff while you're gone. That's the thing. I'm mm-hmm. like, so you can go to the bathroom. We're not inhumane. <laughs> Yeah, and I know that like we want to get the tournament going as as fast as possible because these regionals are, or YCs are so long. But yeah, like there's such thing as a time extension. We can award it to you if it needs. That's a very common thing that judges give to a lot of players are time extensions, whether it be from like a deck check or like an, an emergency or something like that. They they happen, and a lot of people just so don't seem to remember or understand that we're we're not like horrible human beings we will give you time extensions or accommodate you in some way shape or form because you know we're all human like we're all prone to human things Mm -hmm. that happen it's just that that (laughs) was just a bit surprising to me yeah what you eat does matter so make sure you guys take care of yourself when you go to events and i feel i feel really bad for the Uh, driver the driver always gets it the worst because they're the one that go to the event 100 tired the entire time like driving for mm-hmm. like three hours to go to an event, driving for like seven hours. I guess when I went to Portland, I drove because there was a traffic accident. I drove for nine hours to get down there. Oh. I was already exhausted. I didn't have oh, time to like, wow. I didn't even have any like playtesting time or anything. I was just tired. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really yeah. affects your performance. So being well rested does matter. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not much more I can really say about that subject. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I feel you because I used to not be the driver for like the first half of of my life when I played Yu-Gi-Oh. Now I've become the driver, and now I have to be the one to, uh, you know, to, to have to go through that endurance to, to just kind of tough through everything and whatnot. Thankfully, I, I'd like to believe that I'm very mentally tough myself, so I, I can handle. But yeah, like God, God, bless the all everyone who's driven to all these events because they have it the toughest for sure because they can't because some people need to focus on the road like some people need to like me that talk with somebody yeah yeah there's always who's who's shotgun the person that's gonna stay awake is on shotgun that is every time yes (laughs) because i remember um i was driving okay there's two driving 
I guess not really incidents that I had. Okay, there's one time I was driving. It was just Oscar and I. We're going down to Seattle, and uh, he was going for his regional. Funny enough, both of us, both of us topped that one. That was funny, but like nice. when I was driving, he freaked out completely. I fell asleep at the wheel. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, so I, we were on like we were on the I five coming going up. <laughs> And I fell asleep. It was a, and then we were hitting the. Uh, we didn't hit anything, but like you know how like on the on the on the freeway, there's like the the, the road bump when you're getting close to like the divider. So I rolled onto that. It's like Thomas, like oh yeah. <laughs> so then yeah, it makes that like really well, like that like that rigid part of the road where like if you run yeah, over, so it that's when like I woke up and, and I warn you. Okay, okay. So I got really yeah. lucky on that one because. We had to wake up. I had to wake up at like five to drive down, and it was the road on the trip back that I was super tired. So that's when we like we pulled up to a gas station, bought like a Red Bull or something, and then I went back on the road. Mm -hmm. That was the freaky time. That that was freaky. And then the other incident. uh, Oh, this was funny. This annoyed me more than anything (laughs) because I was super tired. Uh, The other incident was I drove all the way to the border. Only for him to not have his passport. <laughs> and then oh, I have to turn the car no. around to get his passport to come back to the border again. And then we went down. I'm like, damn, I oh. for... <laughs> And we're like, yeah, we're gonna make it there. We're gonna have like two hours to play test. Nope, that that was out the window. We got there, we just played right away. Oh, oh. I, I mean it's easy to say this, but like I, I always that's like the first question I always ask everybody when everyone's in the car. It's like, does everybody have their passport? That's like the very first thing I ask once we're all something like, please have your passport. I do not want to turn around. Thankfully, I haven't had any of that kind of situations. I was close once, but oh God, like I can only imagine like the, like the stress and like the, no, your, you know, insanity levels going. Yeah, up there happens. was that. I think there was another funny car incident. <laughs> this one was, uh, mm-hmm. this one was, oh my God, this is a story. Okay, this was YCS Portland, and we were driving down. I was driving down. I was the driver. Problem was, I drank two Red Bulls before I started going down. And we were in the car, and we're at the border. There's a huge wait. I needed the bathroom so bad. Like, I needed to. Yeah. I need to I say, I need to pee. And I'm like, guys, I have a problem. I really need the bathroom. It is really slow right now. And then. <laughs> There's like five of like including my wife like I'm telling my wife there was like three guys in the back. And I'm like, guys, yeah, guys, shut up. Please shut up. I need I need to focus. <laughs> and then and then like I'm like, do you guys have any solutions? Like if we okay, I'm at because we're in line at the border. We're we're, we're waiting. And I'm yeah. like yeah. Um, yeah, I I really need to pee, guys. And then they're like Oh like, no! So what, what? Like, what can we do? Like, do you want to open the door? I'm like, just, just, you know, just go on the side of the on side of like the line. I'm like, this is gonna be yeah. super awkward. Oh my god, no! This I can't. Like, this is like, you know, caffeine just makes you want to just. It's harder to hold when it's caffeine. Yeah, so, because it's it's supposed to it's supposed to act like uh, oh I forget I forget the word offhand, but it, it's supposed yeah, to make you. So go in my more, mind, yes. I was running all the different scenarios. And one of the scenarios, like, so I found a bottle of water. I'm like, oh my god, this bottle of water is full. So I started dr- drinking the bottle of water. I'm oh like, they're god. like, why are you drinking the bottle of water? 
So, <laughs> so then they started going. like I passed it off. So they finished the bottle. They like just chugged the bottle of water. Because it would look awkward if we poured yeah. water out of the window because we're already at the border. There's cameras everywhere. So yes. well, what are we? A chemical attack yep. or something? So like we we chugged the water down, and I'm like I need to hold this in. I I, I basically like loosened my seatbelt. My seatbelt's basically not on at this point. Like everything to relieve pressure. Yep. I have undone my belt and everything. I've like unbuttoned the, like my, yeah. my jeans, and I'm like everything to relieve pressure. Oh. And I'm like, oh my god, it's moving. It's moving. This is awkward, dude. Hold on, guys. There's only one car left. It would be really awkward. If by the time I drove up to the border and I would be holding a bottle of pee in my hand. <laughs> I thought it was like, so if they do that, would we actually get taken inside? <laughs> oh my god. I I don't even like, know where to begin with. That. What's that in your hand? <sighs> it's my pee. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm like really basically at that point I was like zero shame. I'm like so I didn't need to pee. I didn't get the bottle. Luckily, because I, I know the border very well. I'm like, okay. oh that car moving in really fast. So we got to go right away. Yeah. And then I knew like basically don't say anything unnecessary, just get past the border. They go, where are you guys going? We're going to a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. Where is it? Down in Portland. Um where are you guys uh, planning to stay? Here's the address because we booked an Airbnb. And uh how many are you staying for? Yep. Uh three days. And uh, yeah, they're, they're, and she's the 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 border guard starts to like small talk. And I'm like, oh, so yeah, we've got a couple of cars going down like that too. Oh. I'm like, yeah, it's a pretty big tournament. And then she's like, okay, you guys have fun. Give us a back. And I just like zoomed out of there. And I know because like I've crossed the border so many times, I know the first there's like a gas station right on the first exit. So I'm like, yeah, typically, yes, like, I'm, typically like, is. I'm going there. And when I got there to like the gas station, Someone else was in the bathroom. And I was like, no, oh, this no. is not right. This is not right. So then luckily there was like a Burger King next to the gas station. I like, I was like holding my crotch the entire time when I walked through that Burger King. After the buzz <laughs> opened the washroom door. And then I was just like, okay, finally I'm relieved. And then I, apolo- I apologize to everyone oh. in that car for the awkward situation I put them in. <laughs> That was uh that was the car incident. So in other words, guys, use the bathroom before you go into the car. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely that because uh, for, for myself, when I travel across the border, we always stop at uh, the duty free, which is like the shop before you hit the border that allows you to like transport whatever goods that you'd yeah, like, certain, yeah, certain yeah, amount of goods, yeah, like alcohol, a... cigarettes. Yeah. So I w- I always make that stop before we go to the border to prevent that, and plus, not to mention, like if we want to drink in the hotel, we can get a little bit of like cheaper alcohol without having to pay tax before we get into it. Like mm-hmm. maybe after like a like a rough night or something like that, or like or whatnot. Because usually I'd say like three days. I'd until like the monday so maybe on like the sunday night i would drink and then like monday go back and a little bit more refreshed but yeah that, I, oh my god it's that is uh th- that's quite a dilly of a story there and uh, and i try to keep myself as prepped as possible but uh that's i hope i never have that don't. same situation that's uh, that that's my life before. lesson let tom box have that life lesson you guys don't have to go through with it it's kind of awkward i'm like i'm ready to just like pee in the car like that was the <laughs> my most awkward moment traveling to an event. Hundred percent. I think there's nothing more cringy. Yeah, uh, there's nothing that can be done. 
Well, I, I'm very glad you at least uh, share that story because I found that quite to be entertaining, and I was trying to hold back, like kind of laughing really loud about it. I was like oh totally hard, and oh, like my my, my teeth <laughs> hurt right now, just because like I was I had to laugh a whole bunch yesterday because I was with my girlfriend's family for her mother's birthday, oh, yeah. and we were just laughing throughout all the night. There was some alcohol involved too, but. That's what happened. And then, like, my cheeks still hurt a little bit. And you're not making it any easier myself on my face right now because it's, it's hurting right now. But it's in a good way. It's all for the sake of entertainment. Yeah, that, that, that's going to be the, the travel story that if I ha- ever have one, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and definitely definitely uh, really entertaining it. Again, sorry, my cheeks hurt badly. Oh, I need to massage it. Needs, uh, that feels better. Oh. So well, what's uh, what's next for your uh, your YouTube channel uh, now that uh, you know you've gotten so many subscribers at this point in time, and you have like a really good following and good reputation? Uh, I guess I'm trying to hit 100k. I'm always working towards that silver plaque. Hopefully, I can get there. Mm-hmm. Right now, mm-hmm. believe it or not, like there's always that giveaway campaign for till the end of the year. That one is that one, of course, was uh, more or less controversial at the very least. Uh, I think mm-hmm. people are still some people are still kind of angry, but most of it's kind of been blown over. I guess I kind I got I got mini canceled for a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I actually understand how it feels to to get that much hate directed towards you. It doesn't feel very good, as much as like people want to know, like oh, it didn't barely even affect it. He's not apologetic. I'm like, you know what? I did things with the wrong mm-hmm. intentions. Uh, absolutely, like not wrong intent. Did it mm-hmm. with the right intentions, but the wrong execution is what kind of came out about it so then you know what just to write everything let's just take away anything that is affiliated with that can with the with the with the whole thing and just move it forward in sectors like i thought like people were supposed to influence based off of what they want like if people lose they're supposed to go into like join a camp or a, a, like join whatever whatever things that they are either they don't care or they are going to join mm-hmm. another faction because they have another archetype that they like that's kind of like the mm-hmm. notion that i kind of started with um uh so then i'm like yeah well people just join we'll, we'll see if we can push insect insector wasn't even my like my first choice to be honest i wanted mermail so bad mm-hmm. mermail was actually my first choice but i'm like mermail doesn't really need anything let's be honest here mermail isn't like they're not even bad they're actually a fun rogue. Like there might be rogue tier now, but yeah, at one point they, they were tier one because they were such a strong deck. And like even now, they can mm-hmm. still play. They can rip people's hands completely apart, and it's like not much people can do about it. So I'm like, Mermaid doesn't really need anything, even though it's my favorite archetype. The reason why it's my favorite archetype is because that was a tier one deck that my brother got for me. Oh yeah, and Megalos. He picked up two Megalos for me. That's why Ooh. I have a really strong like favoritism towards mermails insectors was my best friend's mm-hmm. deck but he stopped playing he, he really liked insectors mm-hmm. he liked the whole popping field mechanic but like what people don't realize is back in 2012 like insector popping your whole board means that you already did something wrong <laughs> you let them pop your whole board if you I, i've watched the world championships yeah. and the world championship between insector versus mm-hmm. insector was that the whole game was not letting your opponent pop your entire board that was the entire game. Yes. Like, oh, you Absolutely. summon your monster. You, mm-hmm. oh, I'm gonna torrential your whole board. You summon your monster. I'm gonna veil your monster. Mm-hmm. You can't pop boards. The whole point was mm-hmm. not to let your opponent pop boards. Mm-hmm. No one did full combo. There was no mo- mention of full combo. Mm-hmm. And once the full combo happened, it happened like maybe like six, seven turns later. 
right when the resources were burnt mm -hmm. out and they did not have an answer left. That's when the full combo happened. I'm like, that's in Zector's life. That's why it was so fun. Like, people, oh man, you're just gonna machine gun down my entire board. That's that's not exactly how it is. And if you compare with the combos of these days, I mean, like back in the day, it was two hand traps, DD Crow and mm -hmm. um, Quick Failure. Those are the two. Failure. One to get rid of the Hornet and the other one to make sure that your Hornet falls off. So it was like, mm -hmm. it was like those two. But nowadays, you got Ghost Ogre. And since this isn't equip based, Ogre is effective. Gamma, Valor, Imperm. <laughs> it's like everything can stop your combo. Yeah. And the deck relied on the normal summon. Mm -hmm. I'm like, do you know yes. how crippling this is compared to BA? BA's old normal summon was like one tour guide. But now they can be like spam out their entire hand. Mm -hmm. They've got Fiendish Rhino. They have extenders. Insectors don't have any mm -hmm. extenders to actually bring them there. That's what people yeah. didn't really understand. I'm like, yeah, Insectors, you know what? If they actually had one extender, some level of protection, they can play. That's where I thought like, you know what? They are the ones that are probably going to get it. And then the, they were my third choice mm -hmm. of all of them. My second choice... Mm -hmm. um, uh, I can't remember what, what was in the, the whole list there. Uh, it was Ooh. not. Oh, my second choice was actually X Sabers. I wanted X Sabers mm. because that was Oscar's favorite deck, and Oscar said if 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 X Sabers got a new card, he would come back. <laughs> so when it was X Sabers versus Photons, <laughs> I was like, oh man, I really wish X Sabers and Photons are that. You know, it's people don't understand is photons was my fourth choice so i'm like you know what three of my choices actually made it so i'm like whatever either way i'm gonna get something no matter how they think like i hate like like dino mist like i hate all these other archetypes like i i don't <laughs> i feel like if exodus did come back there'd be like a huge fultural like a discard loop and it'd be crazy even though we don't already one that exists but yeah i think it'd be more consistent if we had like more I'm not sure if they're gonna do like that i'm not sure if they're gonna really let us get the yeah. fultural loop back because fultural is pretty it is like a full loop it's, it's an endless loop it can loop out like a 20 card hand doesn't matter it's the same play over and over again so yeah. i don't think that it would happen to be interesting to see like oh, then again it would probably be like the execution would be very difficult to, to get to that's the whole point like it went like it's not like insectors like their whole board popping thing but if they got to it they deserve to win because that was their win con just like how the x saber win con would be to like full loop you but then like x sabers had way more things after that full loop they have hunlay to pop up your back rows they had everything it was just a difficult it was, it was just a different time uh and it would be weird to see it happen in, you know 2020 2011 yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you the, on the insector part because I was playing in uh, YCS Philly in 2012, and I went X2 that event. Didn't top. I was 30. I was 34th oh. out of 32, which sucked. But um, the two matches that I did lose, it was because I couldn't fire off yeah. an insector hornet. I could not fire it off for the life of me. Like my opponents were good enough to not let me, let me have it. Or I just didn't have it. But most of the time it was my opponents would not allow me to have it. And then I played one in Zector Mirror match where the only time I would let my opponent have it is if everything on my field was had like a purpose to be destroyed or it was a floater. Like I had a mm -hmm. Sangan um, set or I'd have a safe zone set. And then when they tried to pop the safe zone, I'd just equip it to their Zector and then they yeah. would get popped, for example. So, yeah, I agree that if you get off an Xander effect, you deserve it's to win because so that was the whole hard. point of what it was. It was incredibly do. hard when you're playing a competitive match and trying to get the thing out. So that's kind of why, like, Xander was my third choice. Photon was fourth choice. Either way, people people were, mm -hmm. were kind of like, oh, man, I hope your, your archetype loses as well. I don't think it's actually going to lose because like it could have been any of the archetypes that I liked. It could have been it could have been X Sabers. Like honestly, like 
I thought that people were supposed to like campaign for something at one point because like you know you're voting for something. Let's just try to campaign for something. Yeah. So I went for the whole campaign. I did yeah. like celebratory giveaways for it. So then eventually the celebratory giveaways were just allowed for everyone. Like and they were supposed to be allowed for everyone mm-hmm. anyway at the end because that's why I didn't host them during the time. I hosted it after the entire event ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that people can join, and uh, <laughs> I was being really sarcastic, kind of. I, I was kind of like copying the behavior, of, like people that are really energetic. But then that didn't that sarcasm didn't come mm-hmm. off right, and uh, people got pretty angry mm-hmm. about it. But then, then again, the giveaways for everyone. I'm like, I don't care whether you criticize me during that time or not. The giveaway is still allowed for everyone. So I've got giveaways basically mm-hmm. happening until the end of the year now. And this is something that I haven't done in a very long time. I don't typically like doing giveaways because mm-hmm. what I've noticed is that if you put giveaways in videos, it just kind of takes away from the video itself. Funny thing is, my in, my triple droplets giveaway is actually live. People just don't know that it's live, except for the people that have watched the recent oh. video. And like I know for mm-hmm. a fact that no one's going to share that video. For like From what I know... Like according to my my current like uh, my my giveaway uh, platform, there's only about one in four hundred chance that you would win in a, a set of imperms. <laughs> one in four hundred. <laughs> that is so low. <laughs> yeah, it, it really that is. is like, for a that's giveaway? like your odds are actually yeah, really ridiculous is. right now. Like the the imperm one. I already did the imperm one. The imperm one was already done. Now we're doing the triple droplets, and then we're gonna go into mm-hmm. the boxes afterwards. Like that that thing is. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just meant to celebrate, you know, the round after round. But of course, the the execution was poor, and well, whatever it is, it, it is what it is now. Um, I'm I'm just gonna let it get behind me. I'm gonna I'm gonna honor my word because I already put it out there when when like Insectors lost mm-hmm. to like um, Valkyries in the bot round. I was like, whatever, we're still gonna do this giveaway. That that thing, like we're still mm-hmm. gonna do the full case giveaway thing. That was posted like when when I said mm-hmm. the defeat was there, like oh at sixty nine like sixty nine k sub, we're doing a full case giveaway, like that was already there, mm-hmm. and then the campaign restarted because of the whole you know Twitter bot thing, and yep. I'm like, you know what, I'll I guess I'll just restart the campaign that I did before. No one was actually upset about it mm-hmm. for the longest time. No one no one cared. It was mm-hmm. until Dino Mist lost, but mm-hmm. that's, that's when they cared. Do you, do you mind like going like kind of going from the the ground level up on like where this whole thing kind of started just for people who don't understand like oh, what's, so what's like, being talked about? Oh, so like you know they right had now. the whole create a card campaign. Like I I kind of didn't really mm-hmm. get too vocal about it, but they had a create a card campaign, and I'm like I just mm-hmm. just so happened like mermails no, I chose like insectors because you know it was my one of my best friends archetype, uh, and I didn't really mm-hmm. promote insectors until like much. I didn't even bother promoting insectors, uh, not insectors, uh, Xavers because they were. Mm-hmm. Oscar was the one that said he was going to play it, but he only said that like by the time they were in the semifinals, so that was kind of like too late. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I probably would have went mm-hmm. with, uh, pro- campaigning for uh the Xavers. That's what I would have done. Mm-hmm. And then people would have been angry about X Savers because of my execution. But my execution was pretty poor. People were saying, mm-hmm. oh, oh, you're bribing people uh, for votes. But there were like no real rules or anything uh, for like campaigning or not. They didn't tell us mm-hmm. not to campaign. So I did campaign, but then they, mm-hmm. but then my campaign was like too, um, I guess, it, I guess 
the prizes were too elusive to the point that it may have, might have taken away from the contest itself. That's probably one of the bigger parts. Mm-hmm. And then whoever that loses are obviously going to feel salty that maybe it contributed to this situation because I offered like, oh, every single time um, Insector moves forward and around, I would do like, a, I would enable or allow another giveaway. I'll celebrate with another giveaway. So basically I stacked onto mm-hmm. it, but people thought that, that kind of took away from it because the prizes were too big. The first prize was like nothing. Like Valkyrie round, there was nothing. I was like, Valkyrie round, mm-hmm. if we win, we will do this thing. So, but then we mm-hmm. actually did win the Valkyrie round. But originally, when we were still doing the mm-hmm. Twitter thing, we lost. So, what happened when we mm-hmm. lost was I put it on like one of my YouTube posts. Uh, it said that, okay, at 69, 69, 69, we will do our giveaway of the entire case that we mentioned in this, this, this campaign. Mm-hmm. But then Konami reset mm-hmm. the whole thing because of uh, Twitter bots and they started using their own uh, survey research website, whatever it was. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I can't really back out of my own word because, you know, I don't know. It makes me look kind of cheap. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. the campaign's live again. If we beat Valkyrie, we will do our campaign, uh, the giveaway celebratory campaign. Mm-hmm. So round one was to enable it. Round two was to um, push forward the uh, the cards. Uh, route like place out of imperm mm-hmm. because imperms are just so sought after. The reason why I chose imperm of all cards because I thought imperms were kind of cheap, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, I looked at the prices, like imperms when the uh, dual power came out, imperm prices were like 20, 20, 30, and now yeah, they're they, back they to like, 40 like crazy and 40, 45. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know at the time, mm-hmm. I thought I was just doing like a $60 giveaway, like, who cares, like $60, like, whatever. I didn't realize that it was like I was throwing away mm-hmm. close to like 100 bucks at the time. And then droplets, mm-hmm. droplets was like originally it was just one droplet. I was like, I'll give away one drop because I pulled one droplet mm-hmm. out of my box and was like, whatever, I, I don't need the uh, this extra one that I have because I already pre ordered a set. And I'm like, you know what, mm-hmm. I'll give away a droplet. And uh, and then eventually I changed it. You know what? What's the point of having one droplet? You're never going to use one droplet. So I change it. To, I just change it. To, you know, yeah, I'll just give away three droplets because I picked my setup for cheap mm-hmm. and someone else can have a place that maybe that's all they need to play competitively. So that's when you all know, do a place at a drop. Someone's going to be really happy about it. By the way, the triple droplet one is is still live. <laughs> they just have to find a bit. Yep. I, I, I specifically chose to like cater towards people are subscribers like and I'm going to put it inside videos. I'm not going to put it in the thumbnail. I'm not going to put anything. They just have to choose to watch a video at a just so happen to watch a video and they'll, they'll catch it. That's the point mm-hmm. of the, like these giveaways They're for the subscribers to celebrate the people that have joined on to, you know, this whole thing. And then, so that was for the round. If they won, like whatever, we'll continue. If they don't win, well, whatever the giveaway is over. We'll, we'll just, we'll just move forward with the available giveaways that I said we we're going to do. So that's kind of where it was at. But then people saw it like, oh, he's giving, he's buying people's votes with droplets. Well, no one's really gotten anything. I didn't pay for anything, for instance. And people were getting mm-hmm. really upset about it. So I was like, oh, I guess how people interpret it is like their own their own thing like i can't really choose how people to choose to interpret it so that's how the whole you know cancel me started thing happening and then i'm like you know what? i'm just gonna continue mm-hmm. this campaign thing you know and the, like to kind of quell the crowd or like calm the crowd down i just had to you know it's like screw it. the giveaway just for everyone it's happening regardless i don't care if it's related to the campaign anymore but by that time people were like oh it's already too late like you're it's already like it made dynamis mm-hmm. lose or whatever and i'm like the thing is, what I've realized 
is that there was a game plan to actually allow certain archetypes to win. <laughs> the thing, it kind of took me a while to figure it out, but there was a game plan to allow certain things to win. It's not, I just realized Lightsworn was going to be the number one favorite. A lot of people said that Lightsworn was going to be the number one favorite for the. Yes. That was like, that was the but then they lost in round one. There was a reason for that because people mm-hmm. campaigned against it. There was a lot of anti Lightsworn uh, Facebook groups and whatnot. They all kind of popped up and they 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 just really pushed the vote down. Mm-hmm. Like because if Lightsworn moves forward, because Lightsworn has the best fan base, they they do. Yeah, and there's and there's, a, have a, there's lot a lot of support. They have they're they're one of the most timeless archetypes of the set. And Team Samurai X One was also the one that was uh, going for that one. He was. He was back. I, I asked him, like, hey, Sam, you want to help help me promote uh, Insectors? He's like, no, man, I'm, I'm all light sworn. And I'm like, OK, that's fine. I'll, I'll, maybe maybe I'll see you in the competition. Yeah. And like everyone had their own different ones. Like Triff was backing um, Pendulums. Um, Pendulums. I, who was yes, backing I know Rata was, uh, you know, rank, rank 10 trains. He was backing uh, Insectors as well. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. who else was on the other campaigns, but I know that every a lot of the different tubers, like all a lot of them were doing shout outs and no one was like doing like a, a full on camp, like a celebratory victory campaign. Uh, but they said, but all, all in all. <laughs> uh, so because I went out of my way and decided to put like giveaways into it, people got really upset. But then what kind of came out of it for me was that I realized that it if they really like their archetype, they were going to vote for it anyway. That's what it came out to. Because when I was talking with these people that were voting against Insectors, they were, they were saying, oh, we weren't going to vote for you anyway. So, you know, so like, what, so like whatever. I'm like, okay, so in other words, this campaign didn't actually have very much of an influence on anything. It just gave you, it mostly gave people an excuse to kind of cut give like kind of get angry and i kind of feel bad for giving them that excuse for doing so you know that was my poor execution so you know i probably won't do anything like this in the future but then the game plan that would allow a specific archetype to win was to give them the illusion that their archetype was doing better than it was by because we know that the insector voters i talked about this with my discord at one point i'm like the only way for insectors to win is that all the insectors voters they vote every round and we vote in favor of the matchup that we don't like we vote in favor of the matchup that is easier to win against so then we would push all mm-hmm. the insector votes into each of the other ones that we didn't want to like during the dino mist round dino mist versus lightsworn i voted for dino mist because <laughs> i'm like there's mm-hmm. no way we can beat lightsworn <laughs> I did not want to. Yeah, I voted for Dynamist. Yeah, so everyone kind of just flooded it in. So it gave like like the various archetypes an illusion that they had more than they actually did, mm-hmm. and that's what I mean. Like mm-hmm. this whole thing can actually be manipulated by a specific archetype that wanted to win, and that's what I realized. Like as long as their fan base, as long as they're like organized enough that they can like push all of the support from one and and then give them the false sense of security that they have that many votes and then all of a sudden like pull back from it <laughs> that's when you get the, the get the upset well that's when i realized hey people can vote for every round i know some people that didn't care they didn't bother but some people were much more vocal yeah. about like getting the other archetypes to win i know at one point on twitter i was like vote for this other archetype <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, so, so to put my two cents in, in all of this, you know, I we, we kind of see like examples of this ha- happen a lot in life. Like I know like some people might anticipate it as like you trying to bribe for votes, but you know, some people see it and this is how I saw it. I saw it as a bonus in a sense. Like, like for example, like, I'm a big fan of uh, the Los Angeles Kings hockey team and they have something called uh, the McFlurry minute, like from McDonald's is where if they score a goal in like the last minute of a period, like the whole entire crowd gets uh, a free McFlurry, for example. It's kind of like an incentive for you to, you know, to, to cheer, cheer on the LA Kings while they're playing at home. It, it's kind of like that. I see it as a bonus. Like I would still cheer for them anyway, as opposed to if I saw my vote against Light Swans and Insectors and I thought, okay, I'm going to vote Insectors because I, I like Insectors more. And if you put that contest out there for the vote for Insectors, I anticipate that as that's just an added bonus. Because I just want yeah. my, I want my vote for that. That's just how I kind of kind of criticizing myself now is that because this yeah. was chosen by the crowd rather than chosen by you know a factor mm-hmm. that was um basically basically it was chosen by a factor where the public was the one that got the control. That's where it, yes. it was like that's where I kind of like you know what it, it does seem kind of kind of like uh like that's why eventually like the apology kind of came up for me like yeah you know what. This is, I, I guess, there might have been some influence, but from what I've heard or from what I've talked about from these people, the people that criticize me, like mm-hmm. I, I understand their viewpoint. I had to understand their viewpoint at first because I'm like, this is just campaigning. People spend mm-hmm. like millions campaigning, you know, to, on their elections mm-hmm. and whatnot, and and how, how like you know, mm-hmm. when they when they win, they celebrate with like various things. I always thought about yeah, it, like it was sure. like yeah, you know, I, I always compared it to the. You know the sports bar, the sports bar. Like if this team wins, if there's a round of free beer around the house, on the house, on the house. That's what yeah. I kind of kind of thought I was doing. So that that was the intention, mm-hmm. but the execution, you know, had like different eyes and different ways to interpret it, which is kind of what led to what it was. Mm-hmm. But I bet a lot of people want to hear about this situation, but I didn't really uh, talk. About, didn't talk about it very much because I was like, you know what? Never fuel the flame of trolls and people that are angry. So I didn't. Didn't really want to bother. Yeah, just... And besides, the can- the giveaway campaign is still yeah, live. Was... I don't care if they criticize me. I don't care if they're going to be hypocritical. Whether they they criticize me and they're still joining the giveaway, that's all fine. Like the point is that I have to. Well, the point is I, I'm stuck honoring my word regardless. Like I'm not going to back out of it. Like there was no way that they could get me back out. Like I'm not going to host the giveaway. That's actually way worse. That that kind of PR is way worse. Yes. So the giveaways are still going to happen and. Basically, they're happening till the end of the year. There's like so many giveaways happening; it is unbelievable. Even like the sponsored stuff that are coming through, like so many things. Like I mean, the the, the Zexel medal and everything, like the the Duel Links medal, the thing that uh, I I don't know who actually has them. I, I have them. Team Samurai X one has them. He's also doing a giveaway for his chunk of medals, like the coin. Have you seen them? No, uh, I haven't seen the coin yet. No, not at all. I, I've seen like uh, I've seen like the yeah. Mask, the coin is a, a a very big one. Uh, I just completed my giveaway for that. I'm just trying to collect information <laughs> to, to give them up. But yeah, basically that campaign is basically done. But like I have a ton of like random stuff to give away. And like thing about giveaway, you know, to kind of kind of sidestep to like the the overall look on on giveaways and stuff is that um, they are hundred percent how do i put it they don't really boost the channel if anything it's just just a fact from all the giveaways i have done there have been more times where i would actually lose subscribers doing giveaways than actually gain yeah it's a fact 
from my channel anyway. What happened? Yeah. I think to some degree, Team APS and even Team Samurai X One would agree with that fact. I've, I've talked with them. Uh, I talked with them about this before. Is that it doesn't really create genuine interest in the channel. It kind of turns your channel into a bit of a lottery. And if they, the feeling of losing is way worse than someone like, like it's just, it doesn't, the amount of people losing in the giveaway is more than that one winner. And that causes people to unsubscribe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like some people just are just tuning into your channel simply for just the giveaway, and that's it. They're not going to look through your content. They're just going to like sift through like one video, whatnot, find out how to enter, and then and then just leave. You know, it, it's not yes, it's, it's not, not genuine, genuine in, 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 sense. in that sense. And when they realize that they did not win, that feeling of losing mm-hmm. it, it, it it sticks with them. And that's why I'm not really too fond of doing giveaways. Mm-hmm. And when I'm doing like any sort of raffle or any sort of sweepstake, it's bonus it's just bonus and that's why it's mainly just to reward the subscribers i started mm-hmm. adding code words in the video so they actually have to watch through the whole thing to find it um yeah to, to kind of let them be qualified for it it's, it's just because it's mainly about the video if you're going to watch the video anyway these code word things they're just going to pop into you right away it doesn't really matter but if it, it mm-hmm. and if you're only there to like hunt for giveaways well it's it's a little mini filtration system i would say for me yeah it's like a bunch of radio giveaways that that do that there's like this is the code word call in at this at this specific time and when you hear the code word like i i see that all the time too and this is this is this isn't anything new that you, yeah. that's that's yeah. happening out there not at all this is this is common and a normal thing yeah, it, these are all bonuses. just bonuses and that's, that's kind of what i want to no. get into is like but right now for the channel the channel now has so i would say there's giveaways basically happening all the way to christmas so i'm like oh boy I don't know. How, I don't know how this is going to work out. <laughs> I really hope it ends up well. If not, it'll be a, another lesson to learn about how to handle these kinds of situations. Mm-hmm. That's my thought, anyway, on this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I hope it uh, it all works out for you. And, and like, I, I didn't think anything less of you when when I saw all of this kind of unfold because I took it as I took it as a bonus rather than like a, a bribe because I'm going to vote. Uh, the way I'm going to vote anyway, regardless of like how you're, how you sway and, and how anyone else sways. But, uh, but again, like if it so happens that we both agree on the same archetype, yeah, it, then awesome. The, if not, yeah, like, not I, a big deal. I'm like anyone that supported photons, you know, good for them. Uh, it was a, it was a tight yep. run. Actually. That was actually a lot. Like that was a lot of votes, whether like, it doesn't matter where their intention comes from. When they vote, whether they care about the archetypes winning or not, whether they want insectors to lose, you know, these are all possible angles that you could, could have voted from and I'll, whatever. It's mm-hmm. just, you guys, you do you, and it's your vote. You do whatever you want with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone's, there's going to be criticism in some way, shape or form that it happens. So it, it, it doesn't really matter too much. Like just go out and do it anyway. Like eventually like you're going to be criticized in one way, shape or form. Like there's always going to be some of that. Maybe that might like downvote your video and then you, but you might get like a hundred times as much on upvotes. So th- those things are just bound to happen. It's just, yeah, that's fair. Just, it's, it's just keep pushing on. And I'm sure that there've been a lot of criticism on other YouTubers as well. And I'm sure eventually if I keep this up, I might get something. I've already had people who told me that like, you know, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of this episode or this episode. It, it, this happens. You're not going to cater to everybody. And, you know, it's it's just being able to move past that is the, definitely the big thing yeah. that you have to do. But at this point it, in time. Like when you get that kind of kind of hate towards you, there is a level of energy that it drains from you. Like, 
and uh, mm-hmm. getting through it is just another part of something I I learned to do now. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would hope so because you know it's if you go big, like eventually you're gonna have have haters. But I've had that line before from other people say like if you have haters, that means you know you're yeah. doing a good job because you're getting noticed enough. But that's but that's how it is. It's all part of it, and you know it's it's all about mm-hmm. just being able to move past it. All right, Thomas, man, I've had a, it was a pleasure uh, being able to talk to you for the first time. This is actually our first real conversation that we have each other. So no, thanks, thanks for, for having me on to the podcast. I really appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Uh, any shout outs you want to give before we go? Yeah, I guess I'll give a shout out to uh, Paul from Team APS. Surprisingly, he's actually one of the early motivators for me to even start the channel. There's about five people that started me to motivate the channel. One is Paul from Team APS. Mm-hmm. Asian Eyes White Dragon was one of them, too, because mm-hmm. he was one that kind of opened my eyes like oh i can do this kind of stuff uh well i guess shout out to my 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 wife uh my brother my family um well so i get shout out to uh there's a couple of smaller channels i kind of want to give a shout out to just to kind of put their name out there head-to-head battles uh crush mm-hmm. card you know mm-hmm. these are guys that deserve check out the shun ping and and these guys because you know i managed to book their time and got them to do a video with me and they are some of the growing people out there and a shout out to you too <laughs> I like doing this podcast. This was uh, this was very refreshing for that. me. That's good. I, I'm glad you appreciate it. And I, I know everyone who's been on here so far has really enjoyed it. I know you, you may have sounded a little bit skeptical at first, but I'm glad you got yourself like settled in and you started to enjoy it a little bit more and more as we kind of went along with this. Hopefully, there's no haters that come after me after this. All right, reveal too many secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Let us hope not, my friend. All right, that is Thomas Chung, a.k.a. Tom Vox, who is part of MST.TV on YouTube. All the links will be below for his Twitch, his YouTube, and his Patreon. And he has over 63,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thomas, thanks again so much. Uh, thanks for, for having me. On me. The I hope you guys have a good day. Don't forget to like and subscribe. For more information, check out the Gate Expectations podcast on YouTube, Facebook, Patreon, Twitter, and Spotify.